So initially, actually, I was a bit of a brat, and uh, <laughs> I just did what I wanted to do. Right. I didn't listen to clients. <laughs> I thought I was a shit. I, oh, and I was telling all these big houses in Milan, they should do this and that, this and that, and they all fired me straight away. <laughs> like, I'm Casey Finey, and this is Fast Company's Creative Conversation, a podcast where we tap into some of the most creative minds in film, TV, music, and beyond. So we're halfway through our first season of Creative Conversation, and I hope you've been loving all of my illuminating guests so far. We made this podcast to give you insight into some of the most creative minds in entertainment and business to help you shake loose some of your own creativity. With that said, I want to mix things up just a little bit with the show. I want to focus specifically on the mental roadblocks that these creative minds have encountered on a project or moments where they felt stuck in their careers. By diving into a problem, finding out how they overcame it and the lessons they learned from it, you'll hopefully have a clearer blueprint to manage your own creativity. We've all heard creative people say that the key to their success is following their gut, right? Well, that's all well and good until your gut gets you fired. Nicola Formichetti has long established himself as one of the top names in the fashion industry. His resume is stacked with creative and artistic director titles at places like Moogler, Diesel, and Uniqlo. He's a frequent collaborator with Lady Gaga, styling some of her most iconic outfits, and he has his own wildly popular clothing line, Nico Panda. But early on in his career, Nicola got fired. A lot. In our conversation, he explains how he's learned to listen to his gut, as well as the guts of other people in the room, the secret to his legendary collaborations with Lady Gaga, and how he managed the sharp learning curve of being a creative and a businessman. So, Nicola, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I have to say that your resume is absolutely insane. How have your sensibilities as a creative evolved over the years? Mm. Well, today I look my my past, and uh, I think the most important thing is to um, trust your gut, mm-hmm. gut feeling. You know, I've done so many different things and made so many mistakes, like a lot of mistakes. Because <laughs> I, I think mistake is great because then, you know, you learn from the from the from within and make it better again. You know, so now today I'm not scared to make mistakes and learn from it and then move on. You know, I do fashion designing and creative direction and I'm a stylist and, you know, all these different things. And, um, you know, I can't explain why I do all these things because my gut feel tells me to do it. Right. I yeah. mean, <laughs> and that's what's so interesting about your story because I know that you, you know, went to school uh, for architecture in London, but then you always say that you kind of stepped into the school and then you wound up just partying for three years and you just went to... <laughs> Stop saying that. My for, mom... any, for any kids listening, don't do it, but kind of do it because it leads to an amazing career like you've had. I mean, like, you were so immersed in, like, London street, uh, like, the club scene and the street fashion, and that really paved the way for, you know, the career you have now. So I guess what were some of those early mistakes, like, when you were really kind of figuring out what it is that you wanted to do? Because I don't imagine that you necessarily saw this exact life that you have for yourself now so no not at all what were those early what was early Nikola like so I lived um, I was born in Japan and brought up both in Italy and Japan and I did high school in Italy and because of my my parents my mom especially um, I you know she really loved fashion and music so I was start getting into to all of that I was 
obsessively reading um, ID magazine and The Face and Days and Confused magazine when I was in high school. And everything that was in the magazine was in London. So I said, how am I, I going to get to London? <laughs> so I was like, okay, I have to get into a school so that my parents can pay for it. Smart. smart. <laughs> yeah. You know, architecture sounded amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I somehow managed to get in. Um, and another, I had another idea because I was uh, also playing the piano. So I went to music school, professionally trained. So I was like, if the architecture doesn't work, I could also do the music and study in London too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I kind of had a kind of... A, not super long-term vision, but I just wanted to to do what I love doing. And I think that's the first thing that my parents told me, just do what you love and just follow your heart. And, uh, but, you know, of course, I was scared to tell my parents. So I just did it and I moved to London and it kind of like completely opened my um, my world. Yeah, I didn't go to school. Basically, I'm a high school dropout, but and I don't recommend people to do that. But wow. um, no, for me, like you know, I didn't go to school, but I I studied a lot. Um, I read books, and you know, some of them are magazines. But <laughs> <laughs> I researched a lot. I just loved everything that was around London culture, fashion, music, art, and pop culture, and you know, that was my school. Right. Maybe it was only on f- from Friday to to Monday, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So through that, um, I started working in a shop, um, and this store had lots of cool fashion items and lots of magazine people used to come there. That's where I met all the uh, all the editorial people, and then they asked me to uh, start start working for Days and Confused magazine. Um, yeah. And you're working it up. Was it the Pineal? Yeah. yeah. So I started working at the Pineal um because I had to start paying my rent because the school was over <laughs> 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 after four years. Uh, so I had to start making my own money. And yeah, that became um, sort of like a hub of uh, creative people. Right. It was really ahead of its time because the thing is, you know, even though obviously I never, I didn't grow up in London, but I remember hearing about it kind of in... Because I think it, it closed down um, a couple of years ago. and After I, I left, yeah. Yeah, and I remember hearing just how formative it was in terms of, you know, it being a place not just to shop for clothes, but to hang out. And, yeah. you know, it being not just selling clothes, but selling like other things. It was really just, I read from um, the founder that she was like, if we had space, we would have sold furniture too. Like, it just was like, you, you know, know this, yeah. yeah, so it was really just... Uh, it seemed like a perfect playground to kind of help foster that creative energy that you came to London with. Totally. I mean, Yuko initially wanted to open a kind of a toy store, a Japanese toy store with music. And I was like, no, we should sell fashion because at that time I was hanging out with lots of fashion designers, young fashion designers and, and accessory designers. So I knew where I would get the clothes from to sell in the store. So in, in in a way, I had no... Because I didn't know anything about it, mm-hmm. I just did it. Right now, as I look back, it felt really fresh because you know no one told me what to do, right. so I just did it with my gut feeling, with friends, and yeah. So Days and Confused magazine came to me and said, "Hey, you know, we love the store and you, and we'd love you to have a a page in a magazine, every monthly column." 
So that's how I started doing uh, more on the editorial side. Right. So I used to shoot my friends in the the clothes from the store with Polaroids and and you know create a page and then give it to a magazine and one page became two pages and then three pages and six pages and after a year I started doing photo shoots and then after a couple of years I became the fashion editor of the magazine fashion director and then the creative director of the whole magazine after mm-hmm. I don't know, five six years and then that just led to so many other opportunities I mean it's just like when you think back on your career you know I, I feel like with creativity in any field comes the inevitable mental block you know where ideas may not be coming fast enough or there's a problem you can't solve so kind of thinking back can you pinpoint a moment or maybe several moments where you felt just stuck in a creative sense so initially when I started I didn't have that because I had no idea I just did what I love doing but once you start knowing the business side and the industry you know how everything worked and all these tricks then suddenly you start creating fear and yeah it was always up up and down Um, it was always a fight between the the, what the client wanted what I wanted to do and you know when I only did uh, what the client wanted to do then it will become boring right and so how to like inject my thing with the what they wanted merge into that so initially actually i was a bit of a brat and uh <laughs> i just did what i what i wanted to do right. i didn't listen to clients <laughs> i thought i was a shit I, I was i was i was so cool i was like early 20s right. you know i was like so cool and i was telling all these big houses in milan to, you know like they should do this and that this and that and they all fired me straight away <laughs> like it was like, who is this guy? Yeah, it was really uh, shocking, actually, because initially you know, I was hired from like a major denim brand and a sports brand and high fashion. And mm-hmm. the first year, I got fired from everybody. Oh man! Yeah, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that was a big learning thing, right? Yeah. So like, even in that, I mean, I think a lot of people would kind of agree that that's that's a great energy to kind of come into something with feeling like I have there are no rules like you know I you hired me to do a job so let me do my job and so I guess like w- at what point did you kind of start having that compromise thinking like okay well maybe I can still have my creative vision but also listen to what the client wants like what was how was that journey well, for you kind well, of coming initially I didn't know what uh, uh, a stylist or consultant's job was. So in a way, I was becoming the designer. So I would go into a company, I would just take over the whole thing. (laughs) And they didn't like, because they didn't ask me to do that. So they asked me to be, you know, a consultant or stylist. So yeah, so I had to learn that. And um, so, you know, how, uh, you know, you basically take take on their DNA Mm -hmm. and, and modernize it. So that's the job of a stylist and consultant. But my true passion was in in creating a whole brand. Right. And I always dreamed of doing um, uh, creating a world around a personality or a brand or a company. So I mean, today, you know, I get to do that with my own brand mm-hmm. and with uh, musicians, and you know. So yeah, but oh my god, it was such a 
up and down <laughs> years. Oh my god! I mean, even today, you know, like for me, I think Nico Panda, my own brand, is a, is a really good example of mistakes and stuff. Like, because it started as a as as a my uh, a passion brand. Yeah. You know, I start making clothes for for myself and f- for my friends. So it's very casual and easy to wear, quite streety, and um, with a slight hint of creativity, of course. But as the business grew, it became a proper thing, right? And you know, I had to like learn all these more of business side. That was really hard because I was in it, right, with my own money and investors, and you know, like it wasn't like I was spending other people's money yeah. anymore, <laughs> telling them what to do. <laughs> Throughout the years, I learned that I have to be uh, surrounded by um, amazing people. Right. Yeah. The team is like the most important thing. With Nico Pandos, it was a really interesting situation in that you'd been working for all these other brands and, you know, you managed to learn how to work within somebody else's vision, like bring your own vision. But then, you know, obviously the brand itself has its own vision. And someone would think that, oh, if I have my own van- my own brand, like I can have unlimited creativity. But that can be a little daunting because it's like your name on it, everything is riding on you. So what was, I want to hear a little bit more about what that learning curve was like for you whenever you had to kind of take on more of the business side of things and not just be, you know, the creative guy in the room. Like, what was that learning curve like for you? Yeah, I mean, you said it, you know, like once you have your own thing, it's, I mean, for me, the creativity was limitless, right? I could do so many different things and, you know, through the first year, I had to learn that, you know, we had to be very, very clear on the long, long-term goal, right. and the, the the DNA of the brand. It had to be very, very focused. Slow down and balance the creativity and the business side together, and you know, start saying no to things, mm-hmm. you know, to a collaboration or even my ideas. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, because normally I'm always like coming up with thousand different ideas, right. but from an outsider, you know, the the brand became very confusing. Right. So, like a year in, I had basically say, let's slow down, let's be focused. Yeah, that I find is that's a really interesting way to phrase it, like saying no to yourself, because I think it's, you know, you're in that position where you where when you have your own company, you have to have those types of conversations with yourself. And I don't think it's it may not be easy for some people to be that self aware whether it's an ego thing whether it's just you know whatever it might be it's it's hard for some people to kind of check themselves a little bit so i mean is there i i'm curious to know like is there an example of like when you had to say i need to rein this in a little bit yeah it's 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 with a team you know with me it used to be a one man show right so i would do everything coming up with things designing things and then we start hiring people because we were scaling the business bigger at one point, it became a little bit too crazy because I, I would hire people for no reason, like because <laughs> they looked cool or they're a cool guy, or you right. know, there was no like plan. Right. Uh, I just want to have like a gang around it, yeah, you know, like a cool people <laughs> around it, and uh, so it was an amazing time. Right. But as a business, it didn't work. Yeah. Today, I think the team is everything. You know, we have such a small team now, mm-hmm. and everyone is doing their best at their thing, but also we are very, very close. So we move together on everything so that we can shift and change slightly depending on the trends or, you know, how the business is going. It's great. You know, it's, for me, it's, it's so special to have, you know, 
that kind of um, team um, today. Right. When you mentioned uh, early in your career where you would just where you didn't really know exactly what the definition of a stylist was, and you just kind of went through and kind of bulldozed your way into these other into these other labels and brands with your own ideas. I guess first, like, when did you first realize that this is this could be an issue, and then how did you? What did you learn from it? Like, with the hindsight of now, like when you think back to those times, what what would you say is like the biggest learning lesson that you learned from getting fired? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to get fired from my own company. Well, yeah. uh, you never know. <laughs> stranger things have happened, you know. <laughs> yeah, my most important thing is to be true to myself right. and be authentic and. I mean, listen to people as well, but in the end, your gut has to say, go for it, you know? Then that shows into your brand, the people around you, even customers, you know? And it's not like, oh, let's create a brand that, you know, Gen Z likes and, you know, create something Mm -hmm. cool. You know, like, it's not that, you know, we're really doing what we love doing and what I love doing, what my friends are loving. And, you know, and then we have such a special connection with uh, all the people people that follow us and and our customers and so we're almost like co-creating you know right and it's very very real and um so that's the beauty uh, of having like my own thing um some people will say no it's shit you know don't do that or do this <laughs> right. and it's kind of like a learning process and almost like creating it together so right and mm. that i think is really interesting because you know when you think about your career collaboration is just an integral part of all of it even as your job as a stylist i mean that's really what you're doing you're working with an artist like a lady gaga and she throws out an idea you throw out an idea and you kind of come to a look together so what is your collaboration process like like where how do you meet someone in the middle like with their vision and your vision you come together to one cohesive vision Mm. over the years i became much more of a collaborator you know, initially I was very like, this is what I want. And right. Because I started doing a bigger, things bigger scale. And of course I couldn't do anything, everything myself. So I had to learn how to listen to people. Yeah, it's it's really strange because when, when me and Gaga get together, it's very special. Um, we're very in sync. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, maybe almost... Maybe because I play the piano or some I don't know. I, I just have this uh, instinct. Um, I become more open, maybe, right. um, with, with certain type of people. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, for me, it's very important to choose the collaborators. You're expanding your conscious or something, you know, like right. very picking up things. And, and I think that's when the magic happens. You right. know? I can't really explain it. Thinking back, you know, for Gaga, for example, I mean, you've worked with her on so many things from, you know, the Bad Romance video to, you know, her iconic Grammys moment where she came out in, in the egg and, you know, even the, the, the meat dress at the VMAs. I mean, there's been so many major moments that you've had with her. So if you can just isolate one and think and kind of walk me through like what that collaboration process was like to get that end result. Oh, it's a secret. Oh, <laughs> you know, I kind of, I figured you're gonna say something like that because the you know, the house of Gaga is, you know, oh, oh so secretive. But you know, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, it's um, with her, mm-hmm. um, it's entertainment, right? right. It's it's a uh, performance art. Yeah, yeah? it's so, theater. It's it's yeah, art. It's, so yeah. we don't really like to reveal things. Mm-hmm. What what goes on? You know, fair. But we, you know, I can tell you that we study a lot, we research a lot, we put a lot of energy into it. 
and then on the day we destroy it. You know, yeah. we put it upside down. Right. So I, I th- you stopped working with, or you know, kind of put your collaboration with uh, Gaga on hiatus when you uh, went to be the creative director of Moogler. Yeah. And I think I heard that you are kind of working with her with her residency now in Vegas. Yeah, we 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 started. Um, I mean, we always kept in touch. That's what I, yeah. That's yeah. why I said hiatus, because I know it wasn't like, you know, it was, yeah. it was just you moved on to something Yeah, else. I wanted to do my own thing, and, you know, doing Mugler and Diesel and, mm-hmm. you know, Nico Panda. And, and she was always being supportive, and right. she was always, uh, you know. But, um, I don't know, we just felt like it, it's time to collaborate again properly. I mean, we you know, we... We need her, right, for for the culture. For, for the, <laughs> do it for the culture. Yes, yeah, absolutely. You, know. you were part of, you know, some of her most talked about looks and moments, and you know, you had a break, and now you're kind of back together again. So, what has that been like, kind of re-entering this collaboration space with, kind of having the the hindsight of everything and kind of re-entering it, and you know, what has that been like, having this intense collaboration, a break, and kind of returning to it. It's so beautiful. Like, so I did my own thing for a couple of years, and she also did. So now we can look at the whole thing, you know, from a little bit outside, and I don't know, really start working on it. And we're still in the process of, you know, creating and things like that. I think we have to go through that. I had to go through that for sure, because maybe at that time, uh, you know, it was a lot for me. You right. know, now I'm, you know, have an incredible team behind me. And that can create amazing things quickly, and uh, and also like today, you know, Gaga is you know more mature. We all are. Yeah. <laughs> I just I'd have to be careful because I don't want to say stuff. no. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's it. entertainment, right? So we want to be uh, kind of magical. Of and, course. Yeah. <laughs> no, you pull that off beautifully. And, you know, because you kind of mentioned this a little bit at the beginning of uh, of our conversation. When you, you first start out in your career, you are, I feel like you have this endless amount of freedom and creativity because, you know, you're, you, there are no rules. And as you build a name for yourself and as you, you have all these amazing brands and people that you've worked with on your resume, you can kind of get a little self-conscious and think like, okay, you may not feel as agile as you once did with your creativity so has that ever been a problem for you thinking like, oh my god all the time yeah so i mean what what's the i mean example the, yeah of that? i mean there's so many obstacles today you know the social media mm-hmm. and like the the comments and the, all those things i mean that's why i feel like the creativity should you know i can use creativity as my weapon and make it really really amazing creativity so, is a weapon i like that <laughs> no but like the when i start becoming you know uh, a little bit of a public figure uh, you know it was the beginning of twitter and mm-hmm. you know oh my god you know like <laughs> it was crazy right. like i was like why does it matter what I look like, you know, or <laughs> what I wear, or right. you know, he's ugly and this and that. You know, it was crazy. And no I, one ever called you ugly. Yeah, oh. they did. I remember. You know, I even like, like, messaged him, he or she back. <laughs> We're like, who the fuck? Are you? <laughs> <laughs> it was really uh, shocking because I never had that before. That's you know, so wild. Also, you see the beauty, the beautiful side of you know of social media, where you get to, you know, when someone tells you, "Wow, you know, you changed my life," or mm. "I really respect you," and things, you know, it's of course there's a beautiful side, but the beginning was like a shock for me. Right. 
So where are you now with that? I mean, like, do you feel like you're in a place where, you know, you you've just kind of you don't really care so much anymore? Because, I mean, as your career progresses, I mean, your own your profile is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger because, I mean, you've just you've done so many, many amazing things. You're doing so many amazing things currently. So I feel like are you at a place now where that just doesn't register? Like you just I'm going to do what I'm going to do and let it be. Or do you, is it still something that you wrestle with? Of course. I mean, you want everyone to love you, mm. right? And appreciate you because you put so much into I put so much, you know, in my team, everyone we, we put so much into it. So when when we see negative comments, yeah, of course, it's it, it hurts. But I'm not going to DM them and be like, ah, you're not going to clap back. <laughs> yeah, <you've learned. laughs> but yeah. at the same time, we have beautiful fans and, you know, that's that's amazing. You know, way we can really talk to people. I mean, I always love social media. You know, um, I remember when I was in London when I started working with Alexander McQueen, I casted on MySpace. Wow, I, was, I think I was like the first one ever to u- actually use <laughs> MySpace for a fashion photo shoot. Right, you know? and then when Facebook came, and you know, I did a project with Uniqlo for Facebook. I found my assistants on Facebook. I mean, it sounds very normal today, right? right. But back then, people thought I was crazy. <laughs> I was the first uh, with Mugler. I live streamed backstage and front front row uh, the fashion show. Right, so people could you know have the front seats on the on the computer, and that was very new back then huh. I mean today's that was nothing se- yeah right. that was that was seven years ago so you know I love I love in co- you know, I'm not scared of using you know whatever is around me or social media technology you know right. and um, but there's a there's a love and hate relationship I well, think it's course. important to switch off right it's speaking of you know the because as you mentioned you know casting through myspace and you know live streaming on Facebook those are those were big then, but when you think about now, like what what kind of innovation are you considering with your own brand or with whatever you're working with? Like, what are you doing now to kind of uh, kind of keep keep that that intersection of innovation and creativity in your business moving forward? Yeah, I mean, we we are collaborating. Uh, Nico Panda is collaborating with Amazon. Amazon, is, if you're a fashion brand, you're not supposed to, like, collaborate with it because, you know... I was going to say, I know yeah. they made a push toward fashion. Yeah. You know, they had, like, a fashion channel or something, so I think they, they've been kind of... Um, but I love their their tools. Like, yeah. So we... Uh, uh, last season, we did a show in London, fashion show in London, and we used the um, See Now, Prime Now um, tool. Mm-hmm. So we created this collection on the catwalk, and you see it, you can prime it straight away. The, the fashion show that comes out uh, we're doing in September in London again we are again using their new um, software to do something fun again I think YouTube is the only platform that I haven't worked mm. with properly I want to do something fun with, with YouTube mm. yeah so there's something that I want to do and of course you know Instagram and it's it's great but you know I just you know I look at everybody myself included we're just like so obsessed like digital detox is, you know, it's huge. Try to do it for five seconds, yeah. ten seconds, right. a minute, ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's really important when any creative can feel overwhelmed. I mean, anybody can feel overwhelmed. And so a lot of people listening to this podcast, I mean, I'm sure that they, everyone is just in this mindset of like, go, 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 go. Be, you have to be on all the time. Me, myself, 
constantly. I always have to be on Slack. I'm on email. People are texting me. People are calling me. People are hitting me up on social media. Like you're being bombarded with messages and information. And just it's so difficult to kind of tune things out, even when you need to focus on what you have to do. It's really hard to do that. So when you are in a, in a position where you just need to absolutely focus on something, but you know, you've got emails coming in, you've got people, you know, asking you this and that. How do you focus on what you have to do? Like, what is that for you? Well, it's, it's, um, I think I take care of myself every day. Just be you, right? Yeah. So, like, I take, take care of myself. I drink water, eat healthy, train, and then I try to have my own time with, uh, you know, I play the piano, listen to music. And yeah, I, I learned how to meditate. So I've been doing that for the last 10 years. And it, it changed my life completely. And initially, you, I couldn't even do it for five, 10 seconds. You know, your your brain just goes crazy and all these, you know, ideas and, you know, thoughts and what I'm going to do. But today, every morning and nighttime before I go to sleep, I close my eyes and just think about nothing. So when, when you learn how to do that, then in any kind of situation that you're in, you can go back to that state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. You just have like two seconds, a second of just like moment w- with yourself. That's true. Can really help you and you know, be calm. Right. Yeah. So if you can leave our listeners with one creative insight, what would it be? Be authentic, mm-hmm. true to yourself, and fuck what other people think. I could not have asked for a better ending to this episode than that. Thank you so much, Nicola. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) This has been Fast Company's Creative Conversation. I'm trying out this new format where I focus mainly on creative roadblocks, and I'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to comment or leave a review wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, because I truly do love hearing from you. Especially when you say my voice is like butter. Shout out to you, Shea Blade24 on iTunes. Also, don't forget to buy your tickets to Fast Company's fourth annual Innovation Festival in New York City this October 22nd through the 26th. You can save 30% on your purchase by using the offer code PODCAST at checkout. So, go to fastcompany.com slash festival, use the code PODCAST, save some money, and I'll see you there. Hold up. 